Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Praise God. It's good to be out of 2021 and into 2022. We have much planned for the coming year. Isn't that exciting? We're going to have Daryl Strawberry for two nights. We'll have him on Saturday night of our celebration and then on Sunday night. And uh, we'll give you more details of how we're going to handle that because the crowds will be large. And, but, you know, we're going after souls, believing God that, you know, it's amazing how God comes after people. He is a pursuer of people. We're all here because God pursued us. You weren't looking for God. He was looking for you. That's why he sent his son Jesus. Amen. And it's amazing when you begin to discover the word of God and begin to see his mercy and how, how you know, God has kept us all alive. His grace. We live in this special, special time after uh, Jesus rose from the dead. He declared, you know, that we were living in the acceptable year of the Lord. And that's a time of a dispensation of, uh, of grace and mercy, which the world had never seen. The world, the world uh, literally for 4,000 years until the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the world was under the auspice of death. You read about these great, these great societies and these great nations that rose up, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, uh, the, per the Persians, the Neo-Persians, all of these, the Greeks, the Romans. These, these were, listen, church, these were violent societies. You don't understand how violent they were. Not only were they violent in conquest, they were violent amongst themselves. I mean, they murdered, they raped, they pillaged. They, what they wanted, if, they, if you were strong, it was the, the, the survival of the, the, the strongest. The strongest, the, you know, survived and the weak were just, you know, they were just trampled over. And then Jesus came and the mercy of God came to the earth. And that mercy has kept people alive, kept them alive, kept them out of prison, kept all peoples. Not just, you know, this predestination doctrine, this Calvinism is what it is. It's, it's not of God. You know, the Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. You know, the Bible says in John 3, uh, 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He said, uh, I like what a, a, an evangelist that I, I used to really like years ago, he's gone on to be with the Lord. He said, you know, if God so loved the world to save the world, then the whole world's savable. And that is, that is what God is trying to do, is trying to bring back into his family what he lost in his creation. And, and it's an amazing thing that we're included. But you know, the most... You use the most valuable thing that you have to come to God, and that's not money or fame or wealth. What that is is your will. And when you make a decision, I'm going to bow my knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, then you've made the decision that you will not have to make your knee to be bowed in some judgment one day when you didn't do that. Thank God you've done it now. Amen. Praise God, praise God. Well, we had a tremendous year last year. God did some wonderful things. This year coming, of course, we're going to do our, our, our 20th celebration. That'll be in February. But our whole year, we're going to celebrate 20 years of being a church. And we're just going to believe God for great breakthrough and harvest. I believe this is a year of double. I've never said that about any year we've ever been a church before, but I believe that this is a year of double in which everything about who we are is going to double and about everything about what we do is going to double. You know, you find these, these breakthroughs take time. You know, in our field ministry, Lee and I worked for years and years. And, you know, we traveled into little churches and I loved it. I met all these pastors and we had just, but you know, about 1996, 97, uh, things just changed. Just like you reached over and flipped a switch. And large churches begin to open our crusades. We begin to initiate our own, uh, our own meetings and other places in the world and things like that. It just went to another level. The, the same thing is true of church. You know, you, you stay in. And a lot of times people look at, at time factors and they go, well, you know, uh, I went to this 
church and they built this big uh, uh, edifice in just three or four years and did this or that. Well, here's the thing. Many of the men and women that I know that came up in the previous generation spent years in obscurity, just, just being faithful to what God had called them to do. Up teaching the Word of God. You know, you that know the history of Lakewood Church. Lakewood Church is, is the largest church in America. But it, wasn't, it didn't start out like that. They spent 17 years in a feed store in which there were holes in the floor. And every day they'd look at the rats running under the, hole, under the, under the building from the holes in the floor. They didn't ever, they didn't ever think, didn't ever think there'd be anything other than that. But Brother Osteen, John o, Pastor John Osteen, he said, I resolved in my heart to do the best I could with what I had. He said, when that happened, the church began to change. Amen. And that's what we're doing here. We're going to do the best we can with what we have. And we trust that 20 years of building our character will result in the success that God has for us in the last days and in the end times. Amen. Our media ministry last year just exploded. Uh, we have 7,000 and something that watch on just live stream all the time in this area. And that number does not represent individuals. It represents a device in which anywhere from one to however many people. We know of several groups in the area, uh, one up in League City, one over in uh, by Rocheron and Angleton. Another one, uh, there were three of them that I knew of. There may be more of where people gather every Sunday morning to watch church coming out of, out of this sanctuary right here. And then internationally, we were only, to get, we were only able to get records off of a couple of, of the, uh, uh, I don't know how it all operates, how they count those things, but off of a couple. So this is about uh, three quarters of what we saw, but we had over 35,000 downloads off of our podcast from around the world. Amen. Not only that, we could go nation by nation and talk about all the different things we supported from Christopher Alam's crusades to uh, Egan and Hannah Fox crusades to what they're doing in Nicaragua, the churches there, to what's going on in Hong Kong, to what's going on in the Philippine Islands, to what's going on in, in Ireland and Northern Ireland and all the places that we're really involved in with people that are close to our hearts that are people that are either friends of our ministry or actually come from this ministry. Amen. And we believe this year we're going to launch some more. Believe God for their ministries to increase. You know, this, this month we have our, uh, uh, is it okay if I drive around like this before I get started? Find a place to park and we'll park here in a minute. Amen. Uh, um, our, our mission Sunday coming up, not next weekend, but the next weekend, our, our communion night, that night we'll have a special speaker, but he's going to be an in-house speaker and it's going to be his ordination night in which he's going to be ordained into the ministry. You say, who is that? Well, come and find out. <laughs> Let me also invite you to come back to prayer tonight. You know, one of my great regrets is that I did stop Sunday night services. That's bugged me ever since I've done that. So I, I've kind of gone around my elbow to get to my ear. And so now, now we do prayer classes on Sunday night. And then the third Sunday we do a, a communion. So we got two of them back. Amen. So I don't know. We'll work on that. But the Bible does say, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together, even more so as you see that evil day approaching. And I'm telling you, that day's approaching and the churches need to be together. They need to be strong in the Lord and they need to be busy in the harvest of God. Amen. So this year will be just literally saturated with evangelism. Not only here in our church, but the outreaches that we're going to do. Uh, we have Brother Christopher Alam coming for three nights. 
We're going to advertise. I mean, this, his, if you've not got his book, get his, that's one of the most incredible testimonies that you'll ever hear of a, of, a, of, a, of a kid that was raised in a general's home that ended up in the army and almost killed all these things that happened. And now he's one of the most premier uh, uh, crusade evangelists in the world. It's one of the most amazing. And he's going to be at Island Church for three nights. Amen. We're going to do our best to get Brother Joe Morris to come this year. He's not been here in four years, so he needs to come do end times update on that. And you know, another thing, we're going to, we've, got, we've got another in-house ministry. They're not here all the time, but they're here quite a lot. Uh, Keith and Sarah Hogg, and I've had several uh, requests for this because they got up and testified a little bit about a breakthrough in their life when God showed them how to get out of debt. How many like them do two or three nights on how to get out of debt? I believe we all need to be out of debt right now. Amen. And I'm making some adjustments in my own life. I'm going to be completely out of debt this year. Will be the year that I'm completely out of debt. Isn't that cool? God is good. Let's study the word for just a few moments. Uh, go, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 2. Now, we're going to kick off this year in great simplicity by going back and beginning to really review and reassert the revelation we have that is the foundation of what we believe in its simplicity. I heard a great story about Vince Lombardi. How many know who Vince Lombardi is? Raise your hand. Well, most people know who he is. He was a famous football coach. He was the first one to win the Super Bowl. He won the Super Bowl. When was that? Back in 67, I think. 67 or 66. It was pretty far back there. They played, I think, the first time the Kansas City Chiefs. Am I right? Yep. But anyway... He would always, you know, uh, football begins sometimes in, in early August for the professional teams. They go to what's called training camp. And they said Vince Lombardi would always start training camp. He said they would be there eating and they'd have all these tables and they'd have all the different, you know, the, the defense, the offense, the line, the backs. They'd all be sitting at their prospective tables. He'd get up at the coach's table and he'd stand up on the coach's table and he'd take a football and go like this. He'd stand there till everybody was looking at him and he'd go like this. This is a football. Now, he's talking to people that have been, probably been playing football since they were five or six years old. All of them professionals. All of them make millions of dollars. All of them, many of them well know who was. Bart Starr became a, became a, went into the uh, Hall of Fame. Several others from that team went to the Hall of Fame. But he would start with the most simple, basic truth of football. This is a football. And he'd do that every year. This is a football. And they'd start from there. And if you ask him his coaching philosophy... His coaching philosophy was to major on the majors and minor on the minors, not to major on the minors and minor on the majors, but to do it correctly and just stick with the basics. Everybody say stick with the basics. And the basics of your belief system and Christianity is so simple. You know, first of all, Jesus said in John chapter 3 to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And people struggle with that. They hear that term. It's been, it's been belittled so much. That, that, that people hear that term and they think it's some religious term or they think it's some, some, term, that, some term that identifies a group, of, a group of Christian people who are really, really, they're, they're, they're kind of out there. Those born again Christians. You ever, you ever, you ever thought of that? You ever been asked, you know, people say, are you a Christian? Yeah. Or are you one of those born again Christians? You ever heard it like that? You ought to say, glory to God, I am, I am, hallelujah. I'm born again, born of the blood of Jesus, hallelujah, amen. I've passed from death to life, from darkness to light. I mean, you ought to just get real happy. But listen, 
Ted Koppel didn't coin that phrase back in, you know, 1980, whenever those preachers fell. No, Jesus is the one that said, you must be born again. Then he said this, or you will not understand anything about the kingdom, and the kingdom is the protocol of God. How does God do things? Here's what I figured out about God. God does things His way, no matter what you think. I mean, in almost 38 years of serving God with every molecule of my being, I have never talked him into doing it my way. <laughs> and when I've done it his way, whoo, it's worked. Amen. When I've done it my way, well, I'm still healing some, from some knots on my head from doing it my way. Amen. So we want to do it his way. So the simplicity of what has happened to all of us is we have been born again. Literally, in its simplicity, means we were born of water, which was from our mothers, that put us into the human family. And the problem with that is, is the human family is a fallen family. You say, what do you mean by fallen? The only way to describe it is this. It is separated from God. It lies in a place called spiritual death, which does not mean the cessation of life. It means a separation from life. Amen. So thank God the day you just said, well, Lord, I'm going to believe in my heart, confess with my mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead. You might have thought, well, that really didn't seem like much, but it was the greatest miracle that ever happened in your life because what you were doing is you were making a confession of something that you've never handled with your senses. It's only information that did not come to your head. It came to your heart. And from your heart, you made a willful decision to pray that prayer, to come into the kingdom of God. And the Bible says this in the book of Titus. It's not by works of righteousness which we perform, but it's according to His mercy. Thank God for the mercy of God. Have you ever made a mistake? Have you ever got yourself in trouble? Mercy. Mercy. What is mercy? See, we don't define these things many times, so we just think we know what they mean. But mercy is the ability to stop from happening to you what should happen to you, either from the justice side or whatever side, whatever it is. But all of a sudden, mercy steps in and says, no. See, your life, this is all of our lives. We're born, we live, we die, we go to hell. Why? I did good things. Why? I didn't, I didn't harm anybody. Because we were born into a fallen family, that fallen family has no access to the things of God except through one person and that's Jesus Christ. That's what makes him so important. That, that's what makes salvation so important. When you got born again, you did leave the human family. You did come in to God's family. You do retain all of your humanity, but now there's that spark of God in your spirit and you're no longer separated from Him. You've been united to God. The problem is we look for it in a feeling instead of look for it, look for, looking for it in the knowledge of the Word. When we find it in the knowledge of the Word, we get to experience it. I think of all the things I've experienced. Some things are so supernatural. So, uh, you know, I could sit here for probably days and just share supernatural experience after experience. Meetings around the world, beautiful churches, beautiful hotel ballrooms and jungle clearings where God would show up and just do some of the most amazing things you've ever seen in your life. Things that were undeniable miracles of God and God stepping in to a place in which there was a great need and brought his supernatural provision and brought great blessing. Well, listen, God wants to increase that in our lives, in our midst, 
and especially through the ministry of our church because God's very concerned about the church because the church is his government on the earth. That's why we have church. That's how God exerts his will upon the earth. That's why he's coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Amen. Now, Ephesians chapter 2. Let's just start in verse 1. Ephesians has always been one of my favorite books, that in Hebrews. Now, let me, this year, uh, uh, did we announce we have the Bible? Let let me just say this about that, because I do that. I'm the one that initiated that, so I do it. I read my my chapter every day. It's just a small part of my Bible reading and Bible study. But I'm going to tell you something I have seen, especially in the last couple of years. And you got to understand, you know, we're not in the, in the office back there, Roland and Laura and, and everybody else. That we're, we're not in there just praying, okay, Lord, what's the next scripture? We no, they just, they just go through and, and the books we're using and stuff like that. But this is what I've noticed. There has been many, many times when I've opened my Bible and said, so what's the scripture for the day? And I'd go to that scripture and it'd be exactly what I needed to hear from God. Has that ever happened to anybody in here? It's amazing. That's why we're doing that, because God inspired us to do it. We heard of another church doing it. I've heard heard of other churches doing lots of things. But that one stuck in my spirit. I thought we need, what's that? Yeah, we have them in the foyer, so you can get yours. You just put it in your Bible. It's a chapter a day, five days a week is all it is. And if you're just starting in this, it's a good way to start learning to read the Bible. Always remember this about about your Bible, about the Word of God. There's no other book like it in the earth. It is a book of life. No other, no, no other book has in it life, and it is also a book of power. Everybody say power. There's power in the Word of God. Amen. The Old Testament is written for you. Did you get that? You say, what do you mean by that? Paul says it's an example given to us, but the New Testament is written to you. It's God's letter to you. Amen. I love that testimony. The guy, that, he couldn't understand Ephesians, so he wrote it out. And he took all the pronouns out and where the pronouns were, he put his name in there. And then he wrote it in letter form, you know, Dear John, and then wrote it out and signed it, I love you, God, you know. <laughs> and he put it in an envelope and he mailed it to himself. And he said, he told his wife for two days, I'm going to get a letter from God. She said, you're crazy. He said, I'm going to get a letter from God. She said, you're out of your mind. He said, I'm going to get a letter from God. She said, yeah, we need to take you down to the institute. He said, no, I'm going to get a letter from God. He said, the day it came, he ran out. He said, the mailman was leaving. He said, I got it. He said, I ran to the house. I got a letter from God. I got a letter from God. He said, he read it and he had a perfect understanding of the book of Ephesians. You know why? He made it personal. You know, let me, let me just say this. That book, which millions and millions and millions have read over the years, is God speaking to you personally. Is God speaking to you personally. You have to take it personally. God says so much about who you are, about your identity, about what it means to be this born-again creature living on a fallen planet with a system that is deteriorating and fixing to take this world over in one great move, and then seven horrible years of tribulation will hit this earth. The Bible said is a time in which there's never been a time like that before, and there'll never be a time like that again. I'm glad I won't be here. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Let me read it here in the King James just for a moment, then I'm going to go to my Passion Bible. It says, and you, everybody say, and you. Say, and you means me. And you hath he quickened who were dead. Now notice this, dead in trespasses and sins. Now, you say, dead in trespasses, I'm still here. Well, it doesn't have anything to do with your existence. 
It has to do with trespass, which is what? A trespass is an individual act of breaking the law of God. Sin is the nature of man. It is the nature of every man and every woman born upon this planet into Adam's fallen race to sin. You say, what do you mean by that? It's automatic. It's nature. It's the way you're made. It's, it's literally what happened to you because of what has been transferred down through time from father to father to father to father because the identifying characteristic of the blood of the child is in the seed of the father. And that blood was tainted. And that's why Jesus came and shed his blood so that we could have a new blood in the human race to cleanse, to purify the human body so that it becomes the temple of the Holy Ghost. You say, where is God today? Well, we know God's in heaven, the Father. Jesus is seated at his right hand. But God, the Holy Ghost, is in you. He abides in you. He empowers you. And listen, it's the greatest life enhancement you can ever have on this earth. So we were dead in our sins and trespasses. Wherein in times past, now notice this, you walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our conversation. That word can be translated lifestyle. Everybody say lifestyle. Conversation. In times past, in the lust of our flesh, you ever had any lust in your flesh? <laughs> we won't go there, Amen fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. Now, church, you've got to understand, sometimes you can look back and see what was to help you understand what is. But all of us were born into a particular family. We were born with the nature, not the nature of God in us. We were born with the nature of humanity in us. And the nature of humanity had taken on the characteristics of the enemy of God, which was Satan. Therefore, when men and women were born upon the earth, that was in them. Look at Cain and Abel. He murdered his brother. And I said this, I may have been Friday night or maybe last Wednesday night. I said, you know, I believe in what I call reverse evolution. You say, what do you mean by that? I mean, God, uh, God created man in his presence and in his image. And man has gone from that image and presence to the animal he is today. Amen. Now, notice this. All of us have that in us. We're born with it. Nobody had to teach us how to lie, how to steal, how to be stingy, how to cheat, how to, how, how to, how to pacify ourselves with, with drugs or alcohol. All that stuff is by nature. Don't get, don't get mad at sinners. Oh, I'm so mad at my brother-in-law. I'm so mad. He's just a drunk. He's just a drunk. He can't help it. Could you? There was one thing your willpower or your choice. As that iniquity grows in man, man uses his choice to suppress it. Not to destroy it, not to over... Listen, there are a lot of good people on the earth that just refuse to do bad. Amen? They just refuse to do bad. They just, you know, well, they maybe had a good family, they got a good education, whatever it was. They just spent their life continually suppressing impulses on the inside of them to do things that were wrong, to commit trespass because of the sin nature in them. Amen? But then there are others that just take all restraints off. You ever been there? That's why we build prisons. Did you know that America is supposed to be the most uh, free country in the world? Did you know we lock up more people than any other nation? more than North Korea, more than China. We build prisons faster than any other nation. 
Did you know that? You say, why? Because people have problems with their choices. But then you use that willpower one day when the word of God came to you and it, it, it went beyond your mind. It dropped into your heart. It gave you not an explanation. It gave you an understanding. And based on that understanding, here's what happened. You recognize, wait a minute, I'm a sinner. And once that revelation came, the next one comes. I need a savior. Then God supplies the third answer, Jesus. Thank God he did, amen. It says, but God in verse four, everybody say, but God. Thank God, amen. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherein he loved us, even when we were, notice this, dead, separated from God in sins, hath, everybody say hath. Now that's past tense. Hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, hath raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Now, here's what I wanted to get to. For by grace you are saved. Now all that, which I could take the rest of the day and teach on those scriptures. Those redemptive scriptures just burn in me like that. I mean, I know what Jeremiah said. It's like fire shut up in my bones. You say, why? Because I've experienced what that can do in the power of changing the identity of who I was 37 years ago. My God, I was a mess. I mean, I was, in my mind, I was a mess. In my physical body, I was a mess. In every relationship, I mean, everything of my, in my life was just a total wreck. But God. I said, but God. But God, who is what? Rich in mercy. And I like what it says. Because of his great, one translation says, because of his overwhelming, unmeasurable, uncomparable love. Why would God love us on our worst day? Because his love is divine. Because his love is unrestricted. Amen? And because he loves his creation and wants it back. That's why he sent Jesus. Amen? Now notice this. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Now, there's a double reference in the Greek language there, which means both the grace, amen? Both the grace. Now, let me read it again so I get it right. It says, for, the, for by grace are you saved through faith. Both the grace and the faith are gifts from God. God not only gives you salvation, but he gives you a way to get saved. And it's not performing good acts. You say, why? Because it was a nature issue. So what you do that is good now should not come out of a religious mindset of, oh, wait a second, I'm a Christian, now I need to do good. No, it should be you begin to grow and develop the in Christ nature in you and out of your nature comes all of the goodness, comes your benevolence, comes your compassion, comes your kindness, comes your forgiveness, comes all of the fruits of the Spirit. It takes a little time to develop that. You have to be patient. You have to stick with it. And you have to come against all of the opposing forces that try to steal the true essence of your salvation. I heard a story. I've probably told it a bunch of times. I like my stories. A guy, a guy took off from England, you know, back then when they used to sail on the, on the steamships coming to America. And his mother 
and some of his family prepared him a basket of cheeses and breads and stuff like that because they wanted him to be able to eat, you know, as he, as he, as he made that trip. I think back then it was six weeks to go from Liverpool, Liverpool England to New York City by, by steamship. And so he had uh, like a block of cheese and, some, and so he was eating and he'd go ahead and sit outside this, this, this uh, like a cafeteria, like a place where people were in there eating every day and he'd eat his little meager snack. And one day a porter walked up to him and said, what are you doing sitting out here eating this cheese? He says, well, I, I didn't really have enough money to go in there and pay for the food that's, that's it. He said, let me see your ticket. So he pulled his ticket out and he opened up his ticket. He said, well, you know, your ticket's for full passage. That means everything on the ship belongs to you. You can, you can go eat all the food you want. You, you can enjoy the, the, uh, the shuffleboard, the, you know, whatever you want to do. He did not realize that the ticket that he had included the fullness of everything the ship had. Did you know that's the way it is with salvation? A lot of people just ain't read their ticket yet. They're sitting outside on a chair eating crackers, amen, when God wants you to come in and eat at the banquet table. He said, I can't do that. Yes, you can. He gives you grace and he gives you faith. It is a gift from God, not of works. That means the only other way to get it is through knowledge. You go through the word of God, especially the letters that are written to us, and everything is by the power of God, the anointing of God, the miracles of God, based on what? The knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The more you have knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, the more his power works in your life. So by grace, what is grace? Grace is the ability of God working on your behalf. Unmerited, unearned. Well, I'm going to get out there and earn me some grace. You're not going to do it. It's unearnable. God grants us his grace. I like one old preacher. I, I, he, said, he said, it's the two sides of the God coin. I thought, what is he talking about? He says, you flip it, it hits the ground. It's either grace or mercy. It's either grace on one side, God working on your behalf, grace works for you when your faith begins to take hold, and then on the other side, where you make mistakes, His mercies are new every morning. The Bible says what's going to follow you all the days of your life, His goodness, His mercy. You need to slow down a little bit, let it catch up with you. Uh, we'll go there later, amen. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of, uh, uh, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, least any man should boast. Now here's verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now let me read in the Amplified. I like the Amplified. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life. I'm going to let that one soak a little bit. Living the good. My tell preacher, since I got saved, I've been living in hell. Well, you didn't get saved. Amen. Well, I'll tell you, when I got saved, everything went wrong. No, it didn't go wrong. It was wrong before you got saved. It's when you got saved, you figured out actually how much was wrong. He hath prearranged and made ready for us to live or to receive. Now listen, people say, well, that, 
Pastor, there it is right there. That's the predestination. No, it's not. You have to understand that when God raised Jesus from the dead, He knew every person that would be alive on this planet in this dispensation of time. For every person that would be born and live on this planet, He has up on His shelf a predestined plan and path for you to follow. How many actually pull it down and begin to discover it and walk in it? I don't know. Some of us are attempting to do that. But a lot of people have lived and died and never gotten saved. And let me say this about that. God never created the human race to go to hell. God never intended any human being, any one of His creation to go to hell. He said, then why do people go there? They go there by choice. They go there as a rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you, before you got saved, you remember several things that happened in your life and you know now that was God pulling you toward Him? Amen? God does that to everybody. Everybody. One of the, one of the greatest testimonies we've heard. Jerry and Janalaki, when they first went to Botswana, Africa, They were just bush missionaries. And they went the right way. They went and worked with an older missionary. And that older missionary, his format format of his missionary work was to load up a truck with gifts. Now gifts for them were like fruit and and maybe rakes and shovels and brooms. And they would go to these little uh, tribes in the Kalahari, these bushmen. They're not pygmies, but they're kind of in the same uh, uh, classification. They're kind of in that family. So they're little short people. They're just little, little, little bushmen is what they call them. So they went and they'd go to tribe after tribe and they had, a, they had a protocol. They'd go to the chief and they'd present him with gifts and they'd say, we're here to tell a story. Can we tell a story to your, to, to your tribe? And so many times, you know, he said one of the most awesome things, he said, we'd pass out oranges to the children. They'd never seen an orange. And they'd hold them and they'd look at the chief. And the chief would give them the high sign. He said, you've never seen anything so wild in your life as about 50 kids eating oranges and they never take the peeling off. They just... <laughs> he said, it's the greatest thing I've ever eaten in life. Amen? So as they proceeded into the Kalahari, each and every town got more difficult and more difficult, more prayer, more rejection. Actually, a couple of them said, no, we don't even want you here. They had one more town that this missionary they were working with who had been there many years said, now I've never been that far into the bush and there's no telling what we might find when we get there. So they rolled into this town, the last one on the map, the one that they thought there's no way on planet earth that any person in there could have ever heard about Jesus or know anything about him. And they walked in there and said that we went into the, to, to the chief's hut and we said, we're here. And they began to talk about it. And he said, we're going to tell a story and we want to give everybody these gifts. And he said, well, what story are you going to tell? He says, we're going to tell you the gospel. He says, oh, the gospel. He said, you've heard the gospel? He said, oh, oh yeah, we're all saved. He said, you're all saved? How did you get saved? He said, well, about 20 years ago, one of our little girls got a bad fever. He said, there were some white men that came through that were hunting lions. He said, they got her and took her to a hospital in South Africa, and it was a Christian hospital, and she got uh, uh, ministered to by the doctors there, and, and, and her health was restored, and she got saved and brought a Bible back. And it wasn't a few short months later, the whole tribe was, was saved. See, God's got his ways. He can do, listen, there's things you've never even thought of. He's done 50 times, Amen. So it's by, by, by grace we are saved through faith. But for every person, you think about this, your loved ones that aren't even saved yet, God's already got a plan for them. 
people out on the street that are drug addicts. And that God's already got a, got a plan. I think, of, I think of the great evangelist, Nicky Cruz, David Wilkerson, you know, went to New York City with that great vision that he had and was ministering to those heroin addicts. And Nicky Cruz, was, he, he, was the, he was the gang leader of the worst gang in that area. And he, he walked up to, to him when he was up there preaching on the street and he had on a vest and a coat and he took his switchblade and popped it open and began to pop his buttons off his, off his coat. Tell him, this is my territory. And Wilkerson has that great, those, those eyes, those prophetic eyes, just looked into his face and said, I'm telling you, Jesus loves you. Nikki Cruz said later, it literally felt like I was an ice cube put on a hot plate. I began to melt in that man's presence. Well, it wasn't his presence, the presence of the Lord. And a man who should have died of a heroin overdose or spent the, the rest of his life in prison became one of the greatest evangelists of our generation. You say, why? God had a plan. We are his workmanship. We are God's garden. God wants to till you and plant you and grow in you the fruits of righteousness so that your entire life you can enjoy the reality of what it means to be a child of Almighty God. Not a Christian with some church name attached to you. No, a believer in a God that loves humanity so much that he came down and appeared upon the earth in the person of his son and died on a cross and rose from the dead so that we can simply be born again. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that you're born again? Aren't you glad that you're born again? Let's lift hands and thank God that we're saved. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Lord God, we thank you. Now, 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 now let me say this, and then we'll give an altar call, be dismissed. Being saved is such a unique new beginning in your life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, which I believe is the premier scripture, which identifies who we are in the eyes of God. This is what God says about you. You're a new creature. One translation says this, you're a brand new species of being. One translation, I believe it's my, my letters to my hippie Bible, says this, you're an alien on the, you're an alien upon this planet, yearning to return back to the planet you came from heaven, a place you've never been to, but you'll do everything to try to get back to. Brother Osteen used to say it like this, I'm going back to a place I've never been. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That which was deposited in you through the new birth needs to grow. How does it grow? By your personal continual search for Him. Through prayer, so I come back tonight. Let us teach you to pray. Prayer is an acquired skill. You don't learn to pray just because you become a Christian. You've got to learn how to pray by the Word of God. Everybody knows how to pray a prayer of panic. Oh, God! Amen. And some people, you know, they're so, they're so tainted when it comes to prayer. You know, uh, we need to pray. Well, has it come to that? We really need to pray? I'm telling you, when you fellowship with God through prayer and understand what it is, it's one of the most beautiful things. Prayer, the Word of God, your church experience, everything that you do is God growing His character. You're His handiwork. Let Him work on you. Let Him bless you. And I guarantee you, as He works on us as a people, we're going to see more and more blessing, more and more goodness. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Real quick, if you couldn't raise your hand with the rest of us a minute ago, say, Pastor, I don't know if I'm saved or not. You need to know. You can know. You can know. It's so simple. The Bible says a fool could enter into it. It says a wayfaring man or woman. That means somebody who's just traveling around living under bridges. So simple. Doesn't matter. 
so easy. So today, if you're not saved, if you've not been born again, today would be a great day. The first Sunday of 2022 to give your life to Jesus. You'll have a brand new birthday. A brand new birthday. Or if you're here and you say, Pastor, well, I'm saved. I know I'm saved, but man, I just, I'm just not living for God. You know that. You know it. If you're not living right, you're not doing right, you know that. You don't have to guess. Somebody doesn't have to tell you that. So many times what you have to do, you're not getting saved all over. You're just reaffirming that salvation. Actually, you're just coming back to the Lord. You break your fellowship, but God never breaks His relationship. I know what that's like. I broke that fellowship for over 12 years. God never broke His relationship with me. And the moment I turned toward Him, He ran toward me and rescued me out of what I was into. Sometimes people need a second chance. Sometimes people need a third chance. Sometimes people need a fourth chance. Sometimes people need a fifth. You say, what point are you trying to make? God will give you every chance you need until you get it right. So nobody looking around but me. Either one of those two things. You say, that's me, Pastor. Please pray with me or include me in the prayer that y'all will pray at the end of the service. I would like you to to, to have just one act of faith, lift your hand up real quick, put it back down if that's you. If that's you, real quick. One hand, two hands, three hands. Amen. Anyone else, real quick. What a great day to get right with God. Anyone else? God loves you. God cares for you. Three have raised their hand. Is there another? Is there one more? Is there another? Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, everybody look this way. The Bible says, do not neglect your day of salvation. I know there are stories that are told, and I could tell several myself that I've experienced of people. I'll never forget one. I still remember the young man's name, and I remember it happened in the second revival I ever preached in Grosbeck, Texas. So that would have been, i, I tell you when it was, it was January of 1986. I still single, traveling as a single evangelist. I was preaching a Sunday through Friday revival at Word of Life in Grosbeck, Texas. We were packed every night. Glorious outpourings of the Spirit, incredible healings. It was just an awesome time. At the last service, at the end of the service, I turned it back to Pastor Randy, and I went and sat down at the altar like this. I sat down at the altar like this. And a young man, 16 years old, from the back of the church, got out and walked right up to me. And he stood in front of me with tears rolling down his eyes, and he says, Brother Rusty, I need to get saved. I'd given an altar call. He didn't respond. He said, I need to get saved. I said, okay. His name was Heath Pennington. I'll never forget it. He took my hands. We prayed the sinner's prayer simply. Heavenly Father, believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth. God raised Jesus from the... I didn't think anything of it. His, his friends, the, 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 those big cousins they had there, they were all ecstatic because they'd been bringing him to church every night. He got saved. All those young people were all ecstatic, praising, worshiping God. I came back the next year and a lady came up to me and I, hadn't, I didn't know that any of this had happened. Randy told me later. She said, I want you to know that I'm, I'm Heath's mother. I said, Heath who? I said, Heath Pennington. He got saved last year. Remember, he was that young man that walked. I said, yeah. He said, you know, the next day he got on a motorcycle and going around a corner. They're outside of Grosbeck on a country road. He lost control. was killed. He said, you don't realize what that meant for him to get saved and for us to be able to know that our 16-year-old boy is in heaven. Now, that's a very rare exception. 
But let me just say this. Sometimes people come and sit in service after service after service and God deals with them. And that dealing with them gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And it just may be that God's trying to rescue you. And I'll say this. Well, I don't want to die or I don't want nothing bad to happen to me. Well, that's why God wants to save you so you can begin to pray. But God saw something coming down the road for that boy. God didn't kill him. God didn't put that motorcycle in, out of a, in, a, in an uncontrollable situation. God didn't send him down that road. No, the thief comes but, for to steal. but, but God saw it coming. And press that boy's spirit. And press that boy's spirit. And I'll never forget the desperation in his eyes. He came up to me and said, I, got, I need to get saved. I said, okay. Prayed. He got saved. The rescues of God are so merciful. So merciful. So if, if you come, we were there, a friend of ours came six months to a church we used to attend. Every Sunday, he and his wife came. Never got saved. Never got saved. And a pastor from the East Coast, what, what was his name? Robin, Robin Gould. He's, a, he's, a, he's a, 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 a pastor from South Carolina, North Carolina. Uh, a black gentleman, great message he preached on uh, uh, that on... Uh, on the, uh, oh man, just had it in my head. Anyway, this message that he preached was a simple gospel story. And this couple had sat under profound teaching for six months and never put their hand up, never said anything. And this guy preached this simple one, two, three point, and they went like this. Got saved right there. Thank God they came that night. They've been serving God ever since, but I know God has done several miracles in their life of healing, other things. Don't resist the wooings of God. When I was away, I don't know why I'm saying this. Some God must be dealing with somebody here. When I was away from God, I could sense people praying for me because I had been a Christian as a young child. I'd been a, saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Experienced some tremendous... I could sense this, this pull. I knew what it was. And it was pulling so strong on me. And, and back then, I, this would have been the January and February of 1984. And by then, I had pretty much relegated myself that I was just going to be a weed head. I'd done all the other drugs. They cost too much or there was too much risk in doing it. So I poured out all my Marlboro. No, I was, not a, I was a Winston smoker. I poured out all my Winstons. My friends all smoke marbles. If I needed a cigarette, I'd bum a marble. But I was a Winston guy, amen? So I poured out all my Winstons and rolled up 20 joints. I'm bugging. So ever I went, I was smoking weed, you know? All of a sudden, it had no effect on me. It had no effect. Because I was a weed dealer. I was a high-end weed dealer. I was getting stuff from Hawaii, all these places. Man, it, it'd make you real... Amen. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And I would like, I'd tell people, hey, I'm sorry I sold you that. Oh, man, that's the best weed we ever smoked. I'm thinking, it ain't doing nothing. And I knew it. I knew it like I knew my name. I'm like, oh, my God. Has the ability to turn the switch off the weed. He does. That was, my, that was my God, my pacifier, my warm, fuzzy blanket, my girlfriend, my boyfriend. It was my all in all. <sighs> Things are better now. 
Come on. You know what I'm talking Some of you know just what I'm talking about. And God turned the switch off. And I was in a free fall for about three days. He said, what do you mean by that? You try being addicted to something. I said, well, marijuana's not addicted. <laughs> you let it get you, get its hands around you. I guarantee you. And I knew what was going on. I knew what was happening. And I stopped resisting the pull. I stopped resisting the pull. Don't resist the pull anymore. So one more time. I just, I don't know why I'm saying this. Bow your heads one more time. If you're saved, if you've prayed the prayer, great, great. If you've not, but listen, if that's, if that's pulling on you, that's God's love. He's drawing you. You might not have ever gotten saved or you might have gotten saved, but you're just not living for God. Life's too short. Heaven's too real. Hell's too hot. You need Jesus. So one more time. If you've raised your hand, don't raise it a second time. You're good. We'll go pray in just a minute. But if you've not raised your hand, raise your hand right now and say, that's me, Pastor. I'm going to get right with God. God bless you. Thank you for raising your hand. Another hand. God bless you. Another hand. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? That's good. That's good. That was the right people. Stand on your feet. Everybody pray this prayer with me. Praise God. Let your own ears hear what what your mouth is saying. Make it a, a, a statement, not just out of your head where you're parroting the words that I'm giving you to say. Close your eyes. Say it out from your heart. Now listen, after you say it, settle it. I'm right with God. Heaven is my home. I'm not, I'm a new creature. I'm not in the human, I'm in God's family. I'm a child of God. Say it to yourself. Your words have the power to convince you more than my words do. That's why I have people confess and say things. Are you ready? Church, you're going to help them? Six or seven have raised their hand. Say it out loud. Heavenly Father, right now, openly, publicly, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Lord, for the great love wherein you loved me. You sent your son Jesus, the living word of God, made flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, rose from the dead, did it all for me. I believe it. I receive it. It's mine in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I'm your workmanship. I'm your handiwork. I'm your child. You know the areas of my life in which I have weakness. Help me. Help me. You are an ever-present help in time of need. I declare January the 2nd, 2022 at Island Church, I am right with God. I am a child of God. I am born again. I'm born from above. I have left death and entered into light. I've left darkness and come into life. Thank you, Lord. I'm saved. Now rejoice and thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now let let me say this. March the 7th, 1984, I bowed my knee in front of the television set of my parents' home 2714 Baluch over here in 
in uh, Harve Lafitte here in Galveston. No one was there but me. Me and a TV screen. There was nothing on planet Earth that could be very significant about a 28-year-old young man, empty as he could be, kneeling in front of a TV. But I'm going to tell you, when I got up off my knees, I did not feel any special feeling. I did not see anything supernatural. No stars. I didn't hear anything. There was no fragrance of heaven. All there was in my heart was a knowing that God had heard my prayer, accepted my plea, received me back into his family, and everything was going to be okay. I didn't know how. I didn't know where. My life was as broken as a life could be. But I knew that God had rescued me. And I have walked that out now for going on 38 years. And it's been the most glorious life. I could have never imagined living the life that I have lived. It's amazing. And I encourage you. You say, well, God just picked you. No, He didn't. God is no respecter of persons. He will, he will, listen, He will do everything in His power to get to you, to bless you, to do. All you have to do is give Him some little indication. I don't know why I'm doing this. Let me end with this, if I can. <laughs> We've told the story so many times. When I was, Breland was born, we were still traveling. She's just a little infant baby, you know. And I'd come back from maybe a three-day trip or a five-day trip. Sometimes I had a couple of long. And Leah was really, she's mama, and she really wants Breland to respond to daddy. And I remember sometimes I'd come home, and she'd have Breland in her arms. Breland, she'd be twisted around, that big old smile, those big old blue eyes. And she'd go, Breland, there's daddy. And daddy, she, and Breland go like this, just tuck her head into her. And I, I kind of kind of bugged me. I'm like, but then one day, I, walk, I came in, and I had to spend some time getting to know Breland, putting her to bed at night. First time I put her to bed, I got her to sleep. I was praying in the Holy Ghost, praying over her life. And I picked her up, and I, drew, and, I, and I was picking her up to put her in her crib, and her foot hung in the bars. And when I let her go, Mama had to come fix all that, you know. So I, so I, thought, I thought I'd put myself back. But then one day, I came home from a meeting. And I remember we lived over there on 32nd, that big, beautiful house over there. And here came Breland and Leah. And, 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 and Leah goes, look, Breland, there's Daddy. And Breland goes. Well, everything I had was already hers because of inheritance. But when she did this, you know what that meant? That means everything I can do to get what I have into her life, I'm going to do it. Some of you guys just looking for this. That's what are you looking for. Amen. Father, thank you for today. Giving us such a great start to the year. Thank you for this year that's coming up. Lord, you told us Friday night that you've already been in 2022. Already arranging. Already, already providing. Already doing things that we need you to do. Fathers, we leave today as is our tradition here at Island Church. We claim our protection and safety. Declaring no evil befalls us. No plague comes to our dwelling place that angels have charge over us. That both in our, in our travels and in our labor that we do, the righteous resources you put in our life, we thank you that your protection, your safety, and your blessing is upon us as a church. Father, stir our hearts. Lord, as you corporately ignite evangelism in us, ignite it in us personally. 
where everywhere we go, we share our faith. We tell people about Jesus. Open the doors. Let our lives speak and then give us words to affirm it. In Jesus' name. Lord, as we leave today, thank you that we can be answers to people's prayer, problems to the devil, a miracle in people's lives. Father, we leave today walking in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. We also, Father, leave as that which you have anointed and appointed to be in this area doing what you've called us to do at this time. Thank you that that which we've labored for and planted comes to fruit in Jesus' name. Lord, as we leave today, we thank you here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Now let me say this as we're dismissed. You know, a lot of times we'll come on Sunday or a Wednesday service where they think, well, praise God. You know, we want people to be brought along. You know, the, 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 the Bible says of the children of Israel when, he came, when they came out of Egypt, that God sent them on a path of least resistance. Amen? Because they were not strong enough to be some mighty conquering army. If you're coming in through the things of God and the things of the Spirit, we want you to come in nice and easy, and we want you to be able to accept things that you hear and see and not to think that they're so bizarre because they're spiritual. That's why coming to prayer classes like this will help you because sometimes things happen by the Spirit and God is able to help you understand, oh, okay, I see what that is. I understand what that is. And it helps you to grow in the things of God. Amen. So tonight at 7, if you'd like to come, we'll have a prayer class. Otherwise, have a great week. God bless you. Happy week. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.